Welcome to Hub and Flow, a podcast produced by Natural Gas Intelligence. On a mission to provide transparency to the natural gas market, Hub and Flow focuses on key fundamentals driving the price of natural gas and LNG in the United States, Canada, and Mexico. Natural Gas Intelligence, or NGI, is a subscription based price reporting agency, which means we provide trusted and independent natural gas pricing and news for the North American market. Welcome to NGI's Hub and Flow podcast. I'm Andrew Baker, Senior Editor with Natural Gas Intelligence, and I'm joined today by my colleague Christopher Lenton. Chris is the Senior Editor for Mexico and Latin America at NGI, and Chris has just returned from the 9th Mexico Energy Infrastructure Projects Forum in Monterrey, Mexico. And Monterrey is located in the state of Nuevo León, and it's an industrial hub of the country and a big area for consumption of natural gas and electricity. So it's a great backdrop to discuss the country's natural gas market. And there's a lot going on in that market right now, including uh, the continued steady growth in pipeline imports from the United States, multiple LNG projects under development, and a presidential election scheduled to, to happen this year. So much to discuss. So, Chris, I'd like to begin by asking you, what was sort of the the general mood at the forum down there in Monterey? Yeah, thanks, Andrew. So I would say the general mood was was actually really positive. I've been to the event now every single year during the Lopez Obrador administration. And I would say this time the event definitely had a note of, of optimism to it. The conference was also packed. I'm not really good at sort of measuring how many people were in the room but you know the room was was so big that you sort of had secondary screens in the middle of the conference area where people could could watch what was happening up at the front so it was definitely a packed room and i think part of that's because of you know what you mentioned beforehand it, it takes place in in monterrey in nuevo leon which is sort of the epicenter of of what's being called nearshoring or sort of the process by which companies are moving to mexico to sort of take advantage of some of the the better sort of labor conditions in the area and also the cheap natural gas that, that flows across the border. Monterrey alone has something like 240 industrial parks and 40 more are in construction. And so it's definitely sort of a, a boom town. You definitely get the feel wherever you go of people spending money, of construction cranes. And, you know, I think that sort of leads to, to some of the, the optimism there. And, and of course, it's also an election year. There's this idea of change, not only in Mexico, but also in the United States. And so, you know, there's some some uncertainty, but I think overall a, a general level of, of optimism. Yeah, the nearshoring is certainly the, the topic du jour in, in Mexico. And it sounds like sounds like it was a pretty, uh, pretty lively atmosphere down there. Any news come come out of the forum? Yeah, so there were there were bits and pieces of news. I would say sort of the biggest one, you know, Senegas, which is the the operator of the pipeline system, uh, the, the national pipeline system known as the, the, the Cistern Gas in Mexico, they held an open season 
at the end of last year, and the winners were just just announced. And this is a big deal because it's basically the second major open season that's been held since you know since Mexico's famous energy reform and, and Senegal's was formed in in 2014. You know, the first one was in 2017, and the second one was was now. And there was a lot of sort of positivity around around this idea that capacity was being opened up not only to end users, but also to shippers, to distributors, wholesalers. You know, this idea of competition in the natural gas market has always been been around, but I think now we're really seeing sort of concrete steps towards making that a, a reality. You know, something else that was announced at the event was Essentia, which is the company that developed and operates the Guadalajara system, which brings natural gas from Oaxaca in West Texas all the way down to Guadalajara. They mentioned that they were also planning an open season to open up capacity on the on their pipelines. And so, you know, it's, it's interesting because there's there's definitely been this sort of mood of anti-competition, anti-private sector within Mexico. And the natural gas market has sort of gone under under the radar a little bit. And I think these open seasons are sort of proof of that, that there has been a lot of market development over these last five or six years, perhaps slower than some would like. I think that was big news. One other piece of news that that came out was the official from the energy ministry in Tamaulipas mentioned that the Brazil field, which is a depleted oil and gas field, would be developed as underground natural gas storage. Now, we've heard underground natural gas storage plans before in Mexico. I think it's something that the, the market badly needs. And so I wouldn't be holding my breath necessarily. But, it, you know, if it does come to fruition, I think that's a, a very big deal for the for the market as well. That's encouraging news about the open seasons. And I should mention that Essentia, of course, is the company formerly known as Fermaca, which is the name our, some of our listeners might be a bit more familiar with. But definitely, yeah, some, sounds like some encouraging, encouraging talk out of the forum. And you mentioned the, the energy reform of 2013, of course. And as we enter the final year of the Lopez Obrador presidency, I'm, I'm curious to hear sort of your thoughts as as we look back on on the sexenio or his six year term, you know there was a lot of doom and gloom at the at the beginning of his presidency that he was going to reverse the energy reform. But as you mentioned, things have seemed to kind of be marching along in the gas sector. So I'm just I'm just curious, what's your sort of take on on how the market has evolved and and what aspects of it have survived under the AMLO government? Yeah, so it's been a bit of a roller coaster. What's very interesting is at the start of the Lopez Obrador administration, the state companies and the regulators wouldn't show up to these events. They were sort of like, we don't want to have anything to do with you, with the private sector. And there would be a very negative tone from both sides, um, you know, a lot of antagonism. And that has certainly changed. You know, starting last year, you had CFE, CFE Energia show up at this event. This year, Senegas was there, and it was very interesting to hear the officials at Senegas speak because they they were very positive about the open season. They also mentioned wanting to create a secondary market, sort of if you have the capacity and you don't use it, you can pass it on or uh, sell it to a third party. There were talks about streamlining the, the, the planning process for infrastructure in the market. And then you heard from companies like TC Energy and, and, and Sempra, this notion that to get things done, you really need to partner up with the state companies. And they have very good examples of how, of how that's worked. And so I think there, was this, there is this notion now that the market has changed from where it was during the energy reform, that everyone is sort of in it together now. And instead of 
this antagonistic tone. There's this notion of let's work together, let's let's have public-private partnerships. While at the same time, you have these open seasons and you have more competition, you have more options in the market. There's this sort of development of, of a market alongside sort of these changes on how in particular, big infrastructure projects get done. We can talk a little bit about the elections, if you like, because there's obviously some some concern about what, what comes next. Yeah, I, I wanted to touch on that. And as you mentioned, I mean, Claudia Scheinbaum of the of the ruling Morena coalition has, has a comfortable lead over Xotel Galvez, her, her pro-business opponent. So let's assume for a minute that that Scheinbaum ends up winning the presidency. How does the market sort of view the the prospect of a six year Claudia Scheinbaum term? Yeah, I I actually think that that reality or that likelihood is sort of already baked in. I, I do think that there's this general consensus that Scheinbaum is going to win. She leads in most polls. Lopez Obrador is is highly popular. Would require a sort of major upset. Uh, on the part of Galvez for that to happen. That being said, obviously Scheinbaum is going to continue the the cuatrote or sort of the you know, the transformation of, of of Mexico that begun under Lopez Obrador, and so we're going to see a lot of propping up the state companies. But I do think that there is also this notion that Scheinbaum is she's a scientist, she's more practical, but more sort of fact based, and perhaps would be more willing to work with the different agents within the energy sector. I think there's also a notion that she will support renewable energy a lot more than, than, than we saw during Lopez Obrador, where you know renewable energy basically did not advance at all. And sort of this idea that the energy matrix in Mexico will be based on renewable energy and then natural gas as sort of base load and this attempt to get rid of the fuel oil and, and the coal that really are the drivers of, of emissions in, in the country. Of course, there's a preference for Social Galvez, uh, Galvez because she's pro-business. She's talked a lot about some of the things that she would do to, to restart perhaps oil and gas rounds, improve on a lot of the regulatory issues that we've heard so much about. And so I think there's obviously a preference for her among the the business community, but I don't think there's the same kind of worry around Scheinbaum that there was around around Lopez Obrador six years ago. Yeah, so those are great points about Scheinbaum, Chris, and uh, and and I'm sure that the market will be watching anxiously to see if she takes a more more pragmatic approach to energy policy than uh, than her predecessor. And I'd like to close by talking about another huge topic in in Mexico and the world right now, which is LNG. There are, of course, multiple LNG export projects under development in Mexico, the idea being to re-export pipeline gas imported from the United States. And of course, the big news in the United States right now is the Biden administration has paused approvals for for new LNG export approvals for for export to non-free trade agreement destinations. And I'm just curious whether this could have some ripple effects on the on the LNG projects that are that are planned for Mexico. Yeah, huge news. The conference was held on the Wednesday and the Thursday, and that announcement was made on the Friday. So we didn't discuss it while we were there, but there were panels and you know people that I spoke to who were very sort of bullish on Mexico LNG. You know, we heard that. Mexico could become the fourth largest LNG exporter in the world with all the projects planned. And of course, all of that 
those projects uses or would use U.S. natural gas. I, mean, I think it's important. We haven't really discussed this, but when we're, when we're talking about natural gas in Mexico, obviously we're talking about U.S. natural gas because the vast majority of the market sources its gas from, from the United States. I actually remember during the conference, a steel producer mentioned the fact that a lot of the Pemex gas that they get has a lot of has a high nitrogen element to it and that's not good for their processes. And so even when they do get domestic gas, it's not the gas that, that, that they would desire. And so a lot of Mexico's industry depends on the United States. And so the, the news that the US is pausing sort of new permits for exports, these, you know, this is LNG, but it could potentially, who knows? Uh, one day be pipeline exports as well is obviously obviously concerning. This is obviously my viewpoint. I have spoken to people since in the industry about about what's going on. I think it's important to, to mention that that there are Mexico projects that have the correct permitting in place. We could say MPL Mexico Pacific, which is probably, probably the biggest project. They're looking at FID later this year. Vista Pacifico has their project, their permits in place. Amigo has their permits in place. But there's sort of there's a very short window during which they would have to get FID. So you could make the argument that some of the offtake on these U.S. projects, the offtakers would come to, to the Mexico projects and be like, can we sign with you now? And so that could potentially spur these projects and uh, have a positive effect on on Mexico LNG. There are other projects, as far as I know, the new Fortress Altamira project, which is basically done and supposed to be online by now. I don't believe they have their non-free trade agreement export permit in place, and that would certainly stall the project or would severely limit who they could export to, (laughs) perhaps even export U.S. gas back to the northeast of the United States. So, yeah, a very, very interesting topic. And, I, you know, I think the dependency that Mexico has on U.S. gas is, is sort of another discussion that, that is important to have around, you know, these regulatory issues in the United States that, that impact Mexico. So certainly they could impact Mexico projects, perhaps initially, positively, and then down the road uh, negatively. Still very early to tell. I'm not sure. You know, it's an election year in the United States. What's what's happening, where the Biden administration is going with this, but certainly big news and we'll have to keep a close eye on it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, it's as you mentioned, it's, it's worth highlighting again that the one project that has reached FID on the west coast of Mexico, the Sempra's first train of the, of the ECA facility, has its non-FTA permits in place. So that one should hopefully be going be going forward at a minimum yeah i mean that that's that's already far into construction it should be online and and shipping out gas to to asia by by next year so that one is secure and you know everyone everyone assumed that the new fortress would be would be the one that uh, would be going this year but uh, we'll have to wait and see there well chris i want to thank you for sharing your insights on the mexico market it's always always fun to discuss these issues with you and and i hope to do it again soon and thank you everybody for listening always a pleasure thanks andrew and thanks everyone for listening understanding the energy regulatory and political landscape is imperative to achieving success in the mexican natural gas market a daily information service that is trusted by active market participants on both sides of the border ngi's mexico gas price index provides on the ground and independent news and insight as well as market-informed natural gas pricing and flow data. Visit natgasintel.com backslash Mexico GPI to find out more about NGI's Mexico services and how they can better inform your strategy today. 
Thank you for listening to NGI's Hub and Flow podcast today. We encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it, and please do share it with your colleagues. A trusted provider of natural gas news, data, and pricing information for North America, NGI offers subscription-based products. Please visit natgasintel.com if you are interested in NGI and our services. If you would like to dive deeper into this subject, additional resources are available on our website as well. Just visit natgasintel.com and click on the resources tab to find the podcast page.